This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to start in one of my favorite verses. That's uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. There is so much that we can understand about our Father God by understanding how he created the world, what his purpose was for making mankind, and that which the Bible reveals to us along this line. If you don't understand the beginnings, if you don't understand the state of mankind or the man that God made, Adam and Eve, in the beginning and what his purpose was for us, then there's no way that you can understand and walk in his purpose today. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 tells us that after God had made all the things pertaining to the earth, he revealed his plan for man. Genesis 1 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We usually think of physical appearance by those words, but that's not what it means, or it's not the only thing that it means. He's talking about making man an exact duplicate and copy of himself. Let us make man in our own image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Genesis 1.26 is an eternal declaration of God's purpose for man. There's only one thing that the Bible ever states as a reason for why God made man and that is for him to have authority on the earth. That's it. God didn't make man because he was lonely. He's God. He can't be lonely. I'm sure there were some things that God was looking forward to as far as fellowship with man is concerned because he made man in his own image. I used to say it this way. I used to say that God made man as close to himself as he could, as close to an exact duplicate of himself as he could. Well, God can do everything, can he? So an exact duplicate as close as he could means an exact duplicate in kind. God operated in the law of Genesis in the creation of man. Everything produces after its own kind. That includes God. And he, com- he created man for the sole purpose of man having authority on the earth. Now we know that's not how it shook out. We know that man fell in the Garden of Eden and sin and death And the law of sin and death began to operate in the world. But that didn't change God. Man falling didn't change God at all. God can't change. So God's purpose before the fall is God's purpose after the fall. God's purpose for man on the earth was the same after the fall as it was before the fall. And this clearly tells us what it was before the fall. Let man have dominion. Let man have dominion on the earth. Now, I want you to look with me over to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to God, return unto God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Now notice this connects to verse 7 where he's talking about the wicked. Let the wicked forsake their way and their thoughts. So God is saying that his thoughts are higher than earthly thoughts. His thoughts are higher than unsaved man can think. And his ways are greater than the unsaved man can operate in. But what if he's talking about something beyond just distance? As high as the heavens are above the earth. What if he means something more than just distance? Here's what I mean by that. I believe that the angels singing in heaven is greater than anything anybody can produce here on the earth. Don't you? Paul talked about heaven being a place that was beyond description. Paul said when he was caught up into the third heaven, which would be the throne room of God, he said, I saw and heard things that I can't describe. King James translates it as not lawful to utter, but that's not what the words really mean. The words really mean it that he didn't have a description for us. There's no way he could use human language to describe what he saw and experienced in heaven. I think things are better in heaven just because God's there and sin's not. So what if that's what this means? For my ways are higher than your ways. What if he's talking about a quality of life? And not just how high the, earth, how high the heavens are above the earth. Well, how are we going to attain to that? Notice he keeps speaking. We'll keep reading along the lines of what he's talking about. Again, verse 9, for my, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow comes from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That means without fruit, without being fruitful. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, when God's talking about his ways being higher than our ways, his thoughts being higher than our thoughts, when he's talking about their greater his ways and thoughts are greater than ours, just like heaven is high above the earth. If he's talking about a quality of life, if he's talking about something that exists in heaven that we don't experience here on the earth, which we could plug into a lot of things because the law of sin and death is still here, then how is he going to bring us to his ways? How's he going to bring us to his thoughts? I think the reason that, the, that uh, God used heaven as an example over earth concerning these things is because he wants us to live in the quality of heaven here. Jesus told his disciples after he commissioned them and uh, delegated authority to them over sickness and disease, he told his disciples to go preach the kingdom of God. He said, go heal the sick in the cities that will receive you. And tell them the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Well, we know the kingdom of God is now. When Jesus was here on the earth before he had gone to the cross to pay the price for mankind and his sins and the law of sin and death, the kingdom of God was close to coming. But we know now that we've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus. That would have to mean the kingdom is now, isn't it? 
See, for us to pray the Lord's Prayer, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that doesn't fit for us. Now, the part about God's will being done on the earth just as it is in heaven, that fits for us. But the kingdom has come. It's here. We're living in it. And notice that every time the Bible speaks of something related to God and God reaching out to us, it always comes back to the Word. It always comes back to the Word of God. Always. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save or except the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just as a side note concerning these scriptures, if the thing you're trying to do is hard, it's not God. I remember John Osteen saying years ago, this was many years ago, um, many years earlier. Well, what am I trying to say? This was a long, this took place many years before he died. He was complaining to God about all the Demands on his time. He's pastoring a big church. He's doing some traveling ministry and so forth. He's trying to obey God and get, reach as many people as he could and influence as many people for God as he possibly could. And so he got in prayer one time and he was saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do all this. And he went on a little bit more and complained about all he had to do and the, the time pressures he was under and the financial pressure he was under. And finally the Lord spoke to him in these verses. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, the things that are weighing you down are your idea, not mine. Boy, that stuck with me. I've tried to live by that. If what we do is difficult, that, that doesn't mean it's not going to take effort on our part. Doing the will of God takes effort on our part. But if it's difficult, if it's weighing us down, chances are we've got ourselves mixed in there instead of God. But did you notice what Jesus said was the, is the key to living at peace, not burdened down, being yoked together with him? Did you notice what the key was? He said, learn of me. Learn of me. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. How are we going to learn of Him? There's only one way you can, and that's through the Word.
The only way to fellowship with God is through his word. The only way to fellowship with God and operate according to his peace and find his purpose is through the word. That's it, folks. Now, the Bible makes some statements to us that are, well, for some, I guess they're too hard to accept. For example, the Bible says God is that we are complete in him. We are complete in him. Through the work of Jesus, we're complete in him. Now, remember, Jesus came to undo what the devil did through the fall of man. To destroy that world system that we were subject to, spiritual kingdom that we were subject to, and restore us back to what we originally were. Now, the reality is very simply this, folks. That's already done. If the Bible is true, then the work is finished. And it seems to me that so many of us, so many Christians, are trying to make that work come to pass. And not only can you not do that, you're wasting your time trying. Because it's already been done by Jesus. I'm going to read to you Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Now, if you backed up a few verses, you'd find out he's talking about people imposing religious uh, days, observances of days and holidays and that type of thing. Jesus, or Paul rather, is telling us by the Holy Ghost that this is one of the means of deception. And remember in the last days, one of the key ingredients Jesus said, characteristics of the last days that Jesus identified is deception. A lot of people get hung up on things that they think they're doing for God and they're deceived and burdened down because those things have already been fulfilled. He goes on, he says in verse 9, for in him, meaning Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, is he talking about when Jesus was here on the earth or is he talking about now? For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Bible talks about the church being the body of Christ here on the earth. Jesus certainly delegated his authority here on the earth to mankind. So Paul is trying to tell us that the church is the thing that has the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. We're his body here on the earth. We're the only way Jesus can operate here on the earth because he's not here. I think that's the reason he specifically identified all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth is what he told his disciples when he was resurrected. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Because the authority is given to me in heaven and earth, you go and do the work of God here on the earth. Now, why did he tell us to do that? Because he didn't stay here on the earth. See, folks, the thing that gives man authority here on the earth is his body. And you know as well as I do, when you lose your body, you have to leave the planet. It's the way it works. Well, if that's the way it works, that's the way it works for Jesus. He doesn't have a flesh and bone body anymore, or flesh and blood body. He's got a flesh and bone body, but not flesh and blood. And the Bible tells, tells us several times in the Old Testament and the New that the life is in the blood. Jesus doesn't have blood flowing through his body anymore. 
It was poured out for you and me. So he has no authority here on the earth or no occasion to exercise the authority that he has been given over the earth except through you and me. If you don't move, he can't move. If you don't do, he can't do. Now, I know that's blasphemous to some people, the very idea that God can't do something. But there's a lot of things God can't do. God can't break his word. And his word says the authority that he has on the earth has been given to you and me. So here where he says, for in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice what he tells us about us because of that. Verse 10, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. Now, to be complete, you can't be lacking anything. To be complete, there has to be nothing missing. The concept of completeness can't be understood if there's something missing or something lacking in any way whatsoever. Paul, by the Holy Ghost, said, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. Now, in the Old Testament, what we just read over in Isaiah 55, Isaiah is inspired by the Holy Ghost, speaking on behalf of God, to say, my word is the power of God. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he starts talking about, so shall my word be. It comes from heaven. It comes from heaven to, to accomplish a specific thing, and it always accomplishes what God's in it to do. That means healing scriptures always accomplish healing in our bodies. That means abundant scriptures always produce abundant, abundance in our lives. They always work according to God. They always work. Under the New Covenant, in the New Testament, Paul said it this way. In Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, the, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, that word salvation is an all-inclusive term. It means to rescue and deliver, to make safe, to make sound, and to heal. So Paul told us the same thing that Isaiah told us, just in a different way. Paul said, The word of God is the power of God. Isaiah said, God's given us the word. It came from heaven and it accomplishes what it's supposed to do. Well, if it didn't have power in it, then it couldn't be effective and accomplish what God wanted it to do. And then there are scriptures like 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It said, for whatsoever, literally whomsoever, is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, that's a strange scripture because it doesn't say faith brings the victory. It says faith is the victory. See, when John is inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this, he's not saying your faith will bring about what God wants. He's saying your faith is the victory over the world now. See, we always think of end results. We always think of faith bringing something to us that God's word tells us he wants us to have or has done for us. But that's not what it says. Now, it doesn't mean that principle is untrue. That is certainly the way that faith works. But as far as God is concerned, as far as Holy Ghost 
who inspired John to write these words. He said, your victory begins when you believe. Your victory doesn't bring something to pass alone. Your victory is believing God's word to begin with. And again, in my thinking, it goes back to the quality of existence God wants us to have. The quality of life God wants us to live. The quality of eternal life. Eternal life is not just longevity, which begins when, we go, when Jesus comes back for us and we go to heaven. Eternal life is a quality of life. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he kind of bemoaned the fact that they were walking as mere men. Think about that. They were walking as mere men. Now, what he meant by that, of course, is that they were walking just like people in the world operate. They were saved, spirit-filled. I guess we could call them casual Christians. And Paul bemoaned the fact that they were walking on such a low level that he identifies them as mere men. Well, then that has to, has to mean, if the Holy Ghost inspired those words, that has to mean God doesn't want us to be mere men. Jesus has made us complete in him. Complete in Jesus is not acting as a mere man. He wants us to be supermen in the context of super, the supernatural realm. When I talk about the quality of life or the difference between heaven and earth, that Jesus, that Isaiah identified was as far above in quality, I believe, as the heavens are high above the earth. I believe that's true in every area. I believe there's a quality of life that's available for us. A quality of life, a quality of complete victory over the devil and his works here in the earth. That's available to us. Turn with me over to John chapter 8. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but the, the whole chapter is really tied together. It contains a lot of things that Jesus said that were difficult for the people to hear. And the, John's the only gospel writer that gives us this information. I, I've said this over and over again, and, and forgive me for repeating this, but it helps me understand a lot of things that I wouldn't understand or didn't used to understand otherwise. John wrote his gospel some 60 years after Jesus was raised from the dead. The other three gospels are well, were well known. They were circulated widely throughout the Christian world. John knew everything Matthew said. He knew everything that Mark said, and he knew everything that Luke had written. But apparently... We needed what John had to say as an eyewitness to all these things to give us a complete picture. Otherwise, I can't imagine why the Holy Ghost would have inspired him to write. And John tells us a lot of things that the other three don't. It's almost like he comes behind and, and fills in the blanks. And this chapter is one of those places. Another is John chapter 14, 15, and 16, which tells us about the, the last night, the last supper that Jesus uh, experienced and ate with his disciples but this chapter by and large is talking about is Jesus talking about being one with the father he's talking about relationship 
He's talking about being one with, with the Father just like we are one with the Father through him. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 again a prayer that the other gospel writers don't give us or inform us of. But Jesus prayed that we would be one with the Father just like he's one with the Father. Not a step down. Not one step further away. But like he is one with the Father. In other words, this quality of life that we're talking about that's a part of heaven and available, it seems, to us here on the earth was the same quality of life that Jesus experienced and operated in when he was here. And I think we'd all have to agree that Jesus demonstrated complete victory over the devil and all of his works. Jesus lived in such a way that he didn't have to be concerned about what was coming down the road. He didn't wake up in the morning and said, well, I hope we can get through another day. And it didn't matter if extreme cases and conditions of sickness faced him. It didn't matter if people wanting to kill him was going to face him that day. It didn't matter what was coming. It did not matter what the devil tried to throw at him because he was one with the Father. Now, I understand that some of these things are difficult for us to accept. And I further understand that the reason that most Christians live on a low level as mere men, maybe as Paul said, is because of the difficulty to accept this. The difficulty in accepting this makes all the difference in whether or not you and I are going to live up to who we've been created to be. Jesus did not recreate us through the new birth in the image of God, impart righteousness into our being, change us into righteous men and women for us to go through life saying, well, I wonder what we're supposed to do now. I'd like to believe that we are who the Bible says we are, but Man, that's just tough. And those who have stepped over into these, this quality of life, I'll include John Lake as one of those. We look at as aberrations. Modern man looks at people that did those things <clears throat> in the name of Jesus and on the behalf of God as almost freaks, spiritual freaks. We consider that to be a good thing. But it's as if we see what they did and think, well, he had something extra. He had something more than what we have. His experience with God was, was different than our experience from God, with God. And folks, that's impossible. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
But as far as God's concerned, since his word can never fail, it never returns to him void. It never returns to him without results or fruit. Since that's the way God looks at it, you've already won. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.